Hello and welcome to Today in Space. I'm your host, Alex Girofanos. And this week, we're, we're going to switch it up. We're going to do an episode called uh, The Thoughts from an Engineer, which is where we're going to take a thought experiment. I'm going to throw you guys, I'm going to throw some facts at you. I'm going to give you my thoughts. And then we're going to play thought experiment here and think to the future. What could happen? And it's all going to be based around one thing. But before we go on there, I do apologize about the audio from last week's episode. We've been having technical issues here with the podcast. Uh, I am figuring it out. Short story is I upgraded my computer and the interface that I plug all my microphones in, you know, the one that's usually on here, uh, which I'm not using right now, that driver doesn't exist for my software. I didn't know, so I can't use that. And so I'm bouncing around microphones and, and, and getting us up here. I tested the audio before. We should be good for this week, but I do apologize about last week. We're working on it, I promise. But it's also just been crazy. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been, every time I seem to get better from a cold, I get hit with another one. And it's just been kind of, this last two weeks has been brutal. So I am picking up the pieces here, but the show must go on. So we're going to put an episode out. I didn't have as much time as I would like to put, you know, so much research into an episode for, say, uh, and we've got a lot to cover. We've got the commercial crew of you that we've got to go into that I'm working on right now. Uh, there's plenty going on with, with Starship, too. I mean, Starship is in development. There's a lot that we're seeing online from Elon Musk uh, and, and the different various people in Boca Chica, Texas, that are following along. And there's a lot, a lot happening, a lot of construction with Starship. Uh, we just saw, I think I just saw the nose cone from Elon Musk. He put out a video. So we'll, we'll have all that stuff here if you want to follow along. Starlink 4 launched. They successfully launched another 60 Starlink satellites into orbit. SpaceX did. But the Falcon 9 B-1056 uh, didn't land. So RIP B-1056. You're great Falcon 9, you did your job, you made it to point four, you made it to your fourth iteration, and it just missed the drone ship, uh, of course I still love you, uh, in the middle of the ocean, so there's actually a little smoke cloud that was seen in the same image, uh, the, the, the video feed from the drone ship, so still don't know quite sure what happened there, but we'll follow up on that. But that would have been the 50th attempt, or the 50th successful, if it had been successful, the 50th landing of a Falcon 9 rocket to be reused again. And the fact that it got up to the fourth version where it was going to be reused is pretty amazing, especially considering pretty much all time before this, rockets were just kind of dumped after their first, literally dumped after their first try and not even, not even used again. Very expensive way to travel. So we've got all these exciting things that are happening in the private industry. But if we go back to what our thought experiment is for this week, we're going to be talking about why having a space force is necessary. And more specifically, why I think it may just be inevitable. So we're going to break that down. I'm going to give you some information here. Do some quotes. You can read the full article. I'm just going to grab short quotes from each of these articles here talk a little bit between and move on as we set up this thought experiment. So first of all, the if, if you do want to follow along with what the Space Force is doing, because uh, they they are very active online. If you go onto Twitter, it's actually at, uh, actually, I'm going to look that up, Space Force. I, I literally just looked at it, and now I forgot it. But uh, so Space Force DOD, at Space Force DOD on Twitter. They post all the time. Uh, seriously, I've been following along. Uh, they're actually, they're, they're looking for ideas on what they should call their members. They're looking for uh, what we should call 
the soldiers that are in the Space Force. If you do want a, a piece of that action, they are, they are asking for ideas. So there are links out there if you want to vote on that. Give them ideas. Now's the time. We don't want to be talking about it later. Make it fun. Oh, you could have done it. They're actually giving us a vote here. So whether it counts is another thing. But regardless, uh, they're looking for a new name. So the Space Force is very active online, so that's great. But what we saw recently was that the, the United States Space Force is looking to create this enterprise SATCOM or satellite communication. So I'll read the first two paragraphs here from that article to set us up. General J. Raymond, Chief of Space Operations, U.S. Space Force, and Commander, U.S. Space Command, recently signed the USSF Vision for Enterprise Satellite Communications, or SATCOM. The Enterprise SATCOM vision outlines the new service's vision to evolve SATCOM into a single enterprise that can continue to deliver effects to warfighters from and through a contested, degraded, and operationally limited CDO environment. Now, look, I'm, I'm not a military, I'm not a member of the military, so I don't know too much. I do follow some veterans, and I, I have started diving into works by military folks, how they think, how uh, just the idea of warfare. I read Sun Tzu maybe uh, five years ago, and since then I've been really diving into this. So it's been really interesting to see the positioning of all these things. Basically, if you put it into a nutshell, from what I can gather, they're looking for basically a way to outline how all satellite communications are going to work for the military operations on Earth. So look, that is something that's definitely necessary. It's been kind of a shoot to, to put it lightly as far as like the long-term decision you know it's it's also affected nasa nasa's been bobbled around for years now uh, on on what their real goals are and and it's really what we're what i'm seeing from the outside is that it's not just nasa it's also the military and even the space force itself as we'll get into in another article later on here even there having a, a uh, an ex existential crisis of what their real goal is because nobody really is committing fully on this. But that's just for the Space Force. That's really more the Air Force side. Uh, from, from what I understand, the Air Force is already doing most of that with U.S. Space Command. So they're kind of refining their view of what on-Earth space military operations going to look like. But there's so much more than that. I mean, if you think about it, right? If we start really living in space, if we start having having cities and lunar colonies, Martian colonies, and and putting people in space, there is there is so much more that needs to be done and it can happen extremely quickly because we are not America is not the only game in town in space, never mind militarily. Uh, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, and we'll get some opinions here from more people, China is huge, and they have a young, young industry, a young space industry, where ours, uh, while there are, you know, there's, there's more than the young side from places like SpaceX, where you've got kind of Silicon Valley, you've got millennials who are getting into the space industry, there is a gap between the age range of, of where we have people compared to what, where China is. Uh, and if, if we don't figure out what we want, I'm seeing a lot of good things. And look, what I saw from traveling to the NASA Social to Kennedy Space Center, I'm seeing this. Uh, I'm definitely seeing this. The question is, who's going to do it first? And can we figure out a way to do it together 
instead of getting into some kind of arms race. Now, if we go to this thing, and this, this is very interesting. This is kind of how I choose episodes from time to time. Other than when people actually uh, request a certain topic, we start researching that and we'll put an episode out. Um, if I see it a lot online, that's usually when I'll, I'll put an episode out. I'll, I'll, I'll write something up specifically for that topic that people are looking for. People talking to me in person. And the other thing is if I actually get something you know, physical, uh, like an actual piece of paper or an article from somebody, when all of those combine, like they did with this, with the Space Force, I knew I had to talk about it. So I have a digital article for you, but I, I received this it's imprimis. I think this imprimis, imprimis, I've been trying to figure out how to pronounce it all week, but it's from the January 2020 issue. It's volume 49, number one, and it's by Stephen L. Quast. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but he's a lieutenant general in the United States Air Force. Now, this is a, a, an interesting take from somebody in the Air Force, somebody he's retired. So this is kind of his take on the urgent need for United States Space Force. So the article is actually very, very interesting. I read the whole thing again when I was, when I was preparing for the episode to get myself into this. You definitely need to check this out. But I'm just going to give you a short bit of this, and you can check out the rest of it in the links for this episode in the description. So uh, the, I'll read the first two paragraphs and then I'll dive into one section that, that really just lays it out. This was adapted from a speech delivered on November 20th, 2019 at Hillsdale College's Allen P. Kirby Jr. Center. It was a part of a AWC Family Foundation lecture series. In June 2018, President Trump directed the Department of Defense to begin the process necessary to establish a space force. Space force. He says the whole word, word too, space force, force. <laughs> As the sixth branch of the armed forces, the reason for a space force is simple. Space is the strategic high ground from which all future wars will be fought. If we do not master space, our nation will become indefensible. And here it says, since that time, entrenched bureaucrats and military leaders across the Department of Defense, especially in the Air Force, have been resisting the president's directive in every way they can. And this December, although Congress voted to approve a space force, it did so while placing restrictions on it, such as that the space force be built with existing forces that will render it largely useless in any future conflicts. And so this is where we've talked about this before. Are they are they a part of the Air Force are they their own independent branch, uh, and 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 what are they able to do? What are they not able to do? Uh, these are these are big questions uh, that will be answered soon enough. Uh, and and this is really where. And again, this is opinion. This is from someone who is in the Air Force, retired, and this is their thoughts. So I, at the very least, it's interesting to get that perspective. But if we continue. Today, while America is building lighthouses and listening stations that can see and hear what is happening in space, China is building battleships and destroyers that can move fast and strike hard, the equivalent of a navy in space. China is winning the space race not because it makes better equipment, but because it has a superior strategy. The Chinese are open about their plan to become the dominant power in space by 2049. Uh, that's a, that's a, it's th this 2049 talked about the other the actual Space Command report on where they want America's military to be around that time. So this is where this period is coming, 30 years away. It's very quick. 
but continuing here, the centennial of the end of the Communist Chinese Revolution and of the founding of People's Republic of China under Mao Zedong. If China stays on its current path, it will deploy nuclear propulsion technology and solar power stations in space within 10 years. This will give it the ability to beam clean energy to anyone on Earth and the power to disable any portion of the American power grid and paralyze our military anywhere on the planet. America is developing no tools to defeat such a strategy, despite the fact that we are spending billions of dollars on it. Now, this 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 is where things get very interesting. Now, some some may hear that that talk of and, and only hear military industrial complex. We're just trying to make the military bigger. This is just another way to get more money pumped into. Uh, the, the military to get more of a budget. And look, if you look at it with that type of perspective, you're kind of seeing some of those things play out. You're seeing budget being applied to the Space Force, uh, especially, you know, you've got the FCC that's asking for more money because they need to keep up with just the commercial side of things that's going to blow up in a, in a sec here. And, and, and these are the things that, that, that combine, that, that, that come together in the same timeline that help progress technology. Now, the question is, are we going to have progression of technology that was similar, that caused the world wars, where we start actually having war in space? Or do we have a technology development that's more similar to the age that we're in now with, with cell phones and smartphones? And yes, while there's things going on, there's, there's hacking going on elections, there's people's information being taken away, there isn't necessarily blood from that technological revolution. And that's ultimately what we want to prevent, right? That's what we want to hopefully get past and not even have to go through. And this is why I think it is inevitable. Because we've got China that's that's doing these things. We're not necessarily fighting with them right now in space. <laughs> there there isn't there isn't a war happening in space right now, but there is things that are starting to happen. So we've so let's let's lay this out, right? So set up the thought experiment. What happens if the commercial industry of space, like SpaceX, they're doing the Constellation with Starlink that's going to provide global internet. There's other companies that are already slated to do that after them. SpaceX just happens to be first. There's all these space companies that are now being able to launch into orbit. We're going to be launching humans again into orbit, right? Then, so there's this huge spike in commercial activity. Now, with the Space Force, they are now ramping up their ability to go in there. You know, they're talking about this enterprise SATCOM, and it's going to allow them to do more. So the military is getting involved. If any of these other countries start doing things, that's the spark. That's the spark it takes for everything to start progressing. And and there, there could be an escalation of technology. And so this is where... I see this as being more inevitable than necessarily, hey, this is great, why don't we have a Space Force? I just think it's coming based on what I'm seeing here. Uh, and it was, this was a Time Magazine article. This was written by W.J. Hennigan, and it's it's detailing a Russian, Russian satellites that are spying on a U.S. spy satellite. So let's, let's go into this. To quote here from the article, again, this article will be in this episode's link so that you can read the full thing, but this just gives you an idea. A pair of Russian satellites are tailing a multi-billion dollar U.S. spy satellite hundreds of miles above the Earth's surface. A top U.S. military commander tells time, underscoring a growing threat to America's dominance in space-based espionage. 
and a potentially costly new chapter in Washington's decades-long competition with Moscow. Now, space-based espionage? Come on, that's pretty cool. I'm sorry. Space space Bond? Space James Bond? Oh, this, this already been uh, James Bond in space. And I, Austin Powers too in space. That was good. General John J. Raymond, commander of the newly minted U.S. Space Force, says the Russian satellite began maneuvering toward the American satellite shortly after being launched into orbit in November, at times creeping within 100 miles of it. And so they, they're saying here, we view this as unusual and disturbing, as a potential to create dangerous situation in space, and they've expressed concerns to Moscow through diplomatic channels. So so let's let's talk about this, right? We are currently, in today's world, having satellites launched by other countries that are positioning themselves, maneuvering themselves to effectively and allegedly spy on spy satellites. So they're getting up close, right? They're in Earth's, Earth's orbit. You can't see with the naked eye. You'd really, and there's so much up there, and it would be very difficult for someone to point a telescope up there and, and try and catch it. You, you would have to know it pretty well. And even then, you're not really getting a great detail of what the satellite is and what it's doing. But if you're able to have a satellite that's able to go up close to it, within, what were they saying? Was it 100 miles of it, right? 100 miles is close. You don't need, you could, you could put any kind of lens, more or less, on a spacecraft, uh, on, a, on a satellite. I mean, look, we've got the Hubble up in, up in space doing this stuff. So they are literally, with the technology they have today, which wasn't necessarily built for space war, before they even have whatever crazy space technology we're going to make, they're already doing things that's forcing the position for us to create more strategic options in space and, and, and forcing the issue of, hey, this could become some kind of craze, crazy satellite technology, what's the word I'm looking for here? Arms race, right? So first... The Russians send up a satellite that starts spying on other satellites. Now the next U.S. space satellite, let's just say in some alternate universe or this universe, it starts developing a technology that can prevent a satellite that comes that close from observing it. Or maybe they come up with some kind of coding that, you know, when a optical imaging device looks at the spacecraft, it reflects and, and has basically no use. Maybe they develop lasers on board that are able to, in situation, in situ, they're able to actually mess with the other satellites that are trying to mess with them. It starts developing. They develop a special coding that prevents the laser from from ruining the image. You see, it, this is how it takes off. And so all of this is, is right now primed to take off, to really make things interesting in space. And if that combination of the commercial need where we're going to need not only to send more businesses payloads into orbit and into space to do research, they're also going to be sending humans. If that combines with the need from the military, what could be? And that's, that's what I'm seeing here. And that's why I think at the end of this episode here, I'm, I'm saying that it's most likely inevitable that the Space Force is going to become very, very big. And that Space Command report that we did on an episode, you can check it out. Uh, we broke down pretty much the article, the general gist of it, so that you don't have to go through the whole thing and read it. Um, there is a lot going on. And so this is a, a very interesting time where you kind of have to say to yourself, okay, where are we going to be by the year 2049, right? That was said here. 
what what is going to be the case? Do we want to be left behind? Do we want to, or do we want to figure out a way to stay up to speed and hopefully ahead of everyone else? Because at the end of the day, you want your own ideals to be at the at the front of of the line and. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Not, not that I, I want war at all. Um, that's, that's definitely not <laughs> what we're looking for here at Today in Space. We want to be able to travel the galaxy. We want to make humans interplanetary. So obviously having a war would be, would be counter to that. That's, that's going to prevent that from happening. But it's something we have to, we have to pay attention to. Because just like if you're doing a good job in anything, sometimes people may not notice because you're doing such a good job, everything's going smoothly. We also want our military to do a good job so that we don't notice what's going on. I'm sure there is plenty going on. I mean, this is just a leak, right? What we see from a Time article for these two Russian satellites, right, that are uh, a U.S. spy satellite. That's only what we're seeing. That's only what we're hearing. God knows what else is going on out there and that we don't know about. Never mind just on the ground, but in space. I... Push the thought experiment to you. Where does this go in your mind? Where, where do you see uh, the good? Where do you see the bad? What are what are things that could happen that could that could speed up this process, uh, and and make this an arms race as far as not only spy satellite tech, but also in in every other aspect. You know, when we start going to actual lunar colonies and Martian colonies, what are the things that are going to need to be in place to allow us to work all together and to have something like the International Space Station when we have countries, not necessarily allies, that are working together in the same, for the same goals and, and living in, in, in the same spacecraft uh, at that, and at that point, the same colony on another planet or moon or whatever it is. Maybe it's a floating city in orbit. How is that going to happen? What do you see could be the use of a space force. What are the good things they can do and what are the bad things that could happen that we can hopefully think ahead and just put the message out there so we're all thinking about it so we're not caught off guard. And that's what I got for this week, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I really do appreciate it. We've got a lot of great stuff here. We've got a lot of great articles, so check those out. We've got all those in this week's episode's description. Uh, you can follow us again, Today in Space Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Today in Space Podcast on Facebook, and... Uh, today in space on tiktok so that's it everybody thank you for joining us make sure to subscribe follow us on spotify apple podcasts or youtube if you don't already you can get the visual aspect of the show on youtube that's out on fridays and the episodes are out every thursday morning so you can have it ready for your drive to work and that's it folks and always if you have anything that you'd like us to cover here on the show please reach out to us email us at today in space podcast gmail.com and if you're interested in any kind of 3D printing, you know, we also have our 3D printing lab that we have here. Uh, it helps fund the show. It helps us create awesome props for the show. This is the SpaceX Crew Dragon 2, and they're going to have a, a launch soon. They just recently had acoustic testing to check that the, the spacecraft could pass for vibrational testing as, as it launches, because that thing shakes a lot when it gets launched. So they just completed that. That's going to have the first two humans on board that America has sent on American soil since 2011, since the space shuttle. So that's super exciting. They're working on that. We also made the Starship model here. Well, we have a video of us making this. You can check that out as well. But we also do 
3D printing for you. For if you have, if you want to bring your idea into reality, we do that with AG3D. We're doing a lot of cosplay stuff now, which is super fun. It's something I've been really wanting to get into lately. We're also showing you, you know, how we're we're showing you the magic behind the science behind a lot of 3D printing. So you can see what my 3D printers look like. You can see how we're upgrading them and get an idea of what the technology is. Our Instagram page, AG3D Printing, you can see all the things that we're working on. I mean, it's a, it's a wide range of things that we do. If you want us to 3D print anything, let us know. We're happy to do that. And if you want to get anything 3D printed for yourself, check out our website, ag3d-printing.com. And that helps fund the, the podcast here. That helps fund our future projects. Uh, it helps us fund trips out to, to be boots on the ground so we can actually get you some more space. Just like we did the NASA Social recently down in Florida for the CRS-19 mission. And that's it, folks. That's how we make it happen here. And we're very, very happy for you to be a part of the team here with Today in Space. Have a great week. We'll be back for another episode of Today in Space next Thursday. And we appreciate you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you.